Premier League football is back on the menu. The international break has come to an end, and we are back to league play. Plus, has Paul Pogba's career come to an anticlimactic end? We'll break it down next with a special guest on the supporter section. Grab your scars. We'll start right now. Well, welcome into the supporter section. I am Cole Carter, and this is episode 79 of the supporter section podcast. And before we get started, make sure you do drop a like for us and subscribe if you have not already. Plus, something new, we want your involvement on a new segment here on the supporter section where you can ask us a question down below in the comments on YouTube. And we will try to cover that in the next episode. It can be about soccer, kits, whatever. Just ask us anything and we'll try to get that done in the next episode. But for today, go ahead and get ready because I have my best friend here with me, Brandon Pasnick, and our aforementioned special guest, Kyle Norton. Everyone give it up for Kyle. Welcome in, welcome in, buddy. How are you today? <sighs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great, Cole. Uh, it is It is just starting to get a little bit cold, a little bit crisp. Fall's coming in. Uh Football is back, all varieties, uh, college, NFL, the Premier League, Champions League is right around the corner, uh, World Series baseball is about to be here. It's honestly, it's it's one of my favorite times of the year. It is such a good time of the year. Brandon, how are you today, man? I'm doing all right. I'm getting over, uh, <coughs> my a little raspy. I had some seasonal allergies, so I've been very mucusy this week. Maybe that's too TMI, but um, <laughs> been hocking up some colorful stuff this week. Uh, but it's it's on its way out, and uh, I'm feeling a lot better. So I'm doing all right. Goodness me. Well, I'm glad to hear you're, you're on the upward side of things. I want to start today with a classic. What you wearing? Kyle, I see you're rocking something red, white, and navy. Tell us about what you got. Oh, you know it. So um, I'm a little bit embarrassed. I don't actually own a kit. Uh, I don't wear <laughs> a lot of jerseys or, or kits or anything like that. I just I don't think they look great on me. Um, I do have my scarf, though, and so I've got my 2019-2020 uh, Arsenal scarf, uh, the, the only time that I was ever uh, at Emirates. Uh, this is when I was able to to, to purchase this scarf. So, um, come on, you Gunners, to all the all the I'm sure myriad of Arsenal fans that listen to this podcast in silent uh, protest of the clear, clear North London bias towards the worse and uh, lesser of the two squads uh, by uh, Stephen Cole over here. I always thought we did a pretty good job of being nice. Oh, of course. (laughs) No, you you guys you guys give us our due. I just had to had to had to to give you a little starting off strong. (laughs) shots fired. Jeez, Brandon, what are you wearing today? Um, it's the 2021 Atlanta United Unity kit. It's like brown, orange. Uh, it's amazing. It's a beautiful kit. I don't have any number on the back. Just just plain old. Uh, authentic kit. It's beautiful, though. I'm a big fan of that jersey. I do find people yep. online calling it the bacon kit. The bacon? I guess people think oh. it reminds them of bacon with the little squiggly lines on the front, the coloring. Yeah. yeah. Uh, boo. I, I like it a lot, actually. Oh, I'm, I'm rocking a 2019-20, same year as Kyle's, uh, third-year Tottenham kit. This is one of the kind of classier ones, the collar. Um, this was something you could have seen them wearing during the lockdown. Um one of my favorite kits, I got it on eBay of all places. Pretty good cop during COVID, not going to lie. But awesome, guys. Well, good. Good to see what you guys are wearing. I am going to get us on the next segment, the golden scarf. Goes the thing, person, team, whoever we think deserves some praise from the previous week. I'll kick us off with Portugal winning 9-0 to against Luxembourg without Cristiano Ronaldo. And you might be thinking, wow, is it, is it just... Right to not have Cristiano in the biggest game that they've ever won. Um, having him not in the lineup just seems fitting. Maybe passing the baton on to a new generation of players. I'm happy for them. Cristiano, after his big move to Saudi Arabia, hasn't quite been sitting as high as I would have had him before. Um, he's kind of gone down the totem pole. But hey, good for Portugal. Golden scarf for me this week. Kyle, who do you have this time? Um, I think... There's probably some concern that I might just be a blatant homer and only pick, you know, people and things related to my club on this show. And I really want to put people at ease that, you know, I am definitely going to give everyone a fair shake. But come on, guys. How can it not be 
Arsenal's 100 million pound man, right? <laughs> Our absolute rock this season. The the person who has given us that solid, steady presence in midfield that we needed and bang, uh, banged home his first goal, right? Um, that put us ahead of Man United. Uh, it's got to be... Uh, it's got to be Declan Rice. It's got to be Declan Rice. Mm-hmm. Declan Rice. Good shout there. Brandon, who do you have? We're going to talk about that game a little later. Um, I actually have Nottingham Forest, just the team. Um, they beat Chelsea uh, 1-0 at Stamford Bridge or two weekends ago now without Brennan Johnson, who transferred to Tottenham. Um, Awanyi, um, did not score. He had scored in what, like eight, nine straight games in the Premier League, but he did assist the former Manchester United man, Anthony Alanga. Um, and honestly, their defense limited Chelsea to very few chances other than the Nicholas Jackson miss, which was like an open goal, basically. I can't believe he missed it. Um, you know, I think it was just last week we were talking about Pochettino heaping praise on Nicholas Jackson being the next best striker in the world. Uh, it doesn't look like it so far in the Premier League. But yeah, Nottingham Forest, they get my scarf this week. They really impressed me. I like it. I like it a lot, boys. Good start to the pod so far. We're going to kind of get things going with some in the news segments, some of the big stories that have happened since the last time we were on the supporter section, beginning with Paul Pogba and his potential doping accident. Of course, we don't know the all the full story. He may not even know it. Um, obviously, once considered among the top midfielders in the world of soccer, Pog Pogba's career risked a premature ending after Juventus player and France international tested positive for testosterone. Um, Italy's anti-doping agency announced the failed drug test this past Monday. The exam was carried out after Juve's game at Udinese on August 20th, and Pogba did not play in the Serie A match but was on the bench, where he typically has been recently these days. Um, Nato Italia, the anti-doping agency, said that Pogba was suspended provisionally with immediate effect. Pending a trial and testing of a backup B sample, he risked a suspension of up to four years. That is a hefty suspension. Um, If that sample does confirm the positive test, the 30-year-old Pogba could be getting a lesser ban if he cooperates with authorities. Um, Another negative note for a player who has been bothered by injuries ever since rejoining Juventus from his Manchester United move a little more than a year ago, ruled out of France's run to the World Cup last year due to a knee injury, and has only played in six Serie A matches for Juve since the start of last season. Um, Quick thoughts from you, Brandon, on Pogba. and Is he unlucky here, or do we think he was trying to recuperate by taking some illegal testosterone? At this point, I really don't know what Paul Pogba's doing. Um, When he was at Manchester United, he was getting... um, he was getting advice from his own set of doctors to get surgeries and do certain things and sit out. So he was overriding um, the club's wants and wishes for him in his career and his, his playing time, I guess. So ever since then, I was just sort of like, does he even want to play? Like at this point, does he want to play football? He was the hottest thing. I mean, he was the the most expensive player in the world when he went to Manchester United. Um and then it just, it just didn't take off like that. And I mean, ever since he went to get his surgery that was recommended by his doctors, um, I mean, like you just said, I think he played six games last year. Like he just hasn't played any soccer. He's traveled the world. You see it on his Instagram, but he hasn't played any soccer. Um, and I just, I just don't think he wants to. And he probably doesn't feel the need to. Um, so I don't know what this is. Again, going back to his doctors, is his personal doctor giving him testosterone? Like what? Like what is going on here that that could even happen? Um, maybe he was trying to get back on the field, and so he thought he could take you know microdosing testosterone or something. Who knows? We'll see if the full report comes out. But some part of me feels bad for him. Uh, the other part of me is just like this is what Paul Pogba has turned into. So not surprising. Yeah, the story just feels like it continues to just draw out. I mean, just time after time after time, yeah, you do think at this point, does he actually even want to have a career in football? I'm sort of leaning towards no. He's just kind of securing the bag and getting away while he can. It's, well, it's ahead, sad Tom. to see, though. It's, it's, it is. like you, you think about like players who are foundational for, for us, our, us specifically as, as fans who are growing up in the, the era of, of soccer that we did and, and watching. And I think, you know, Paul Pogba is one of those guys that, as I started to 
become more aware of the worldwide game, right? You kind of watch it and is had some incredible, incredible highlights. And to see the, a, a man at the end of his career like this, and and I get where y'all where y'all are coming from, where this is something where it's like, yeah, does he want to play football anymore? Does does this not indicate to you someone that is actively trying, right? Is like that is is trying to specifically like the amount of the amount of work this man has done to try to recapture a smidgen of what he showed us. What? Jeez, I'm trying to think of the last time that what maybe f- five or six years ago, right? Is like the last time we saw peak Paul Pogba, right? Yeah. So like, while and while I empathize with a man, like, hey, if you have captured that lightning in a bottle, you've you've taken the world by storm. You also like, you have to know that there this is that this is going to happen, right? Like, you can't you 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 can't get away with as much as you used to be able to get away with, right? Like, and maybe there's maybe there was a time where some where people would have looked the other way for something like this, but like that's not the culture. Or like the sporting culture we live in today, like with with doping, it's like taken so so seriously, right? So I don't know. I just think that I think it's it's sad. It it makes me makes me sad. It makes me think about like try to reminisce on the the good memories I have of Paul Pogba, and it does. It makes me think of a man at the end of his career who's trying to milk that last little juice out of it and not being able to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it even carries on. I think the way we think about other players too is that you know the same way they these moved to Saudi Arabia. Are they just trying to hold on to what they can still, or is it yeah. about the money, all that stuff? Kind of same conversation to me. But I like what you both had to say. We're going to cover another big story that we've talked a little bit about in past episodes. But I think the final piece has fallen. The final domino has fallen. We're talking about Luis Rubiales, the suspended head of the Spanish. Soccer Federation finally folded under immense pressure this past Sunday and resigned three whole weeks after his kiss of a player on the lips overshadowed Spain's first ever Women's World Cup title. Rubiales had been at the center of a controversy that had gone far beyond Spain's borders and the world of sport after he kissed Jenny Hermoso during the globally televised awards ceremony um, after Spain beat England to win the title. Um, He said, after my swift suspension by FIFA and the rest of the cases building against me, it is clear that I cannot return to my post Rubiales said on Sunday on Twitter or X if you roll with that now um, he had already been temporarily suspended from his job by FIFA um, for his conduct and after there's a disciplinary case opened um, remained defiant and hostile towards those who criticized him um, he had also resigned as UEFA vice president due to the reg- reputational danger um, it's just really not a good look um, he still hasn't even apologized um, saying I'm going to resign I cannot continue my work um, talking to Pierce Morgan, uh, but my fathers, my daughters, I spoke with them and some friends very close to me, and they say to me, Luis, you now have to focus on your dignity and to continue your life, because if not, probably you're going to damage people you love and the sport you love, he told Pierce Morgan. But still no formal apologies for his actions. Um, how this one unfolded was definitely not pretty. Kyle, your thoughts at all on what has happened between the Spain president? He, here's what... Here's what upsets me about situations like this, right? Is you have a situation where you're in the wrong and you apologize for the situation itself, right? The apology is not for what you've done. The apology is for embarrassing someone else. Um, We have a similar situation, right? Right now that's happening in the world of college football with um, specifically... um, Jeff Levy and Art Bryles. And again, all these apologies of these these people in power when they do something to abuse that power. My issue is the lack of remorse that's shown, the lack of accountability, and the lack of learning, right? He's not apologizing for what he did. He's he is not saying, I learned this. He's not saying, hey, I am open to changing. I get why this happened. He's saying I want to protect my dignity and my legacy. And that, hey, maybe that's a translation thing and maybe maybe I'm I'm getting that wrong, right? So I don't wanna I don't wanna say that like that's the only thing he's apologizing for. He said he's had conversations with his father and his daughters. But what this reads like to me is again, another powerful man who exerted that power over someone else and has refused to learn their lesson and is only sorry it happened. And is only sorry that he didn't get away with it. And so 
Um, that's what really still rankles me about this whole situation is I am glad this happened. I think it should happen sooner. And um, I think it's, it's frankly disappointing that how, how this was handled front to back. Yeah, definitely. Brian, you have any closing thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think, you know, if it wasn't for the women's team, basically full, like the whole women's team resigning, they, they wouldn't have had a women's team to play in the next euros or world cup. Like, a whole generation would have been lost and it seemed like those players were like really up for that. Like they were like, we, we will not play for Spain ever again. And I mean, it it was mentioned here, like his, his rash comments, like he was rude to the media. Like he was like saying like, no, I'm not resigning. Like they don't have like um, uh, something about like, they couldn't not play for Spain if they were called upon, like all of these things. And then, I don't know what happened in in the meantime where he like changed his mind, but it it must be like for his care for his family to like step down like that. I don't I just don't know. Maybe like his family was getting threats or like I don't know what's happening in Spain. It's, and Spain and Italy are just like anomalies to me. Like the way right. they handle stuff, I will never understand. But Kyle's completely right. Terrible situation shouldn't have happened. It did happen and this result didn't happen soon enough for my liking. Glad that it is happening. Um, and I just really want to praise the Spain's women's, women's team. The way they played in the World Cup was, was really, really amazing, and that's what should be at the forefront, how good the Spain women's team is. Um, so that's, that's my last piece. Just think about how good the women's team is, not about Rubiales. It's a great point, Brandon. Yep, yep. Very good stuff. Um, thank you guys for sharing your pieces on that. Um, our last bit before we get to the Premier League, wrapping up things from the transfer window, all the transfer talk. Um, another quick discussion on something that also had uh, some controversy surrounding yeah. it. Um, some of these transfers, the most uh, prolific one being Mason Greenwood making a move from Man United to Getafe on loan. Um, obviously, we know all about this one. We've seen the news. We've heard the recordings. Um, just another kind of horrific situation. But one that apparently has been sorted out between the parties involved. It's just so interesting to see how it's been played on the public eye. Um, I don't know if either of you have anything to say real quick about uh, Mason Greenwood. Uh, I'll jump in real quick. I, 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 I'm just, I think this is weird for Manchester United not to cut him um, or sell him. It is, it is a loan move to Getafe. I mean, I think it makes sense for another club to get him on loan as if, like, as he hasn't played soccer in over a year, I think it is. So you don't know the player that you're getting. Um, <laughs> from the other side and from, you know, those that, that have followed the, the case, it just is not great. And the fact that the charges were dropped, you know, it didn't really go through a full trial. It just, it's not good. Manchester United didn't handle it in the best way. Um, I, I don't know. I believe in like second chances, I guess, but I, I just don't know the, the whole situation makes me feel weird. It's a bad situation just in general. Um, yeah, I just don't think he should ever play for Manchester United again, but I think that might happen. Like, I think he might come back from loan and play for Manchester United again at some point in this future, which would be crazy. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Kyle, do you have anything to add real quick? This appears to be, sadly enough, this appears to be the pattern, right? Is we have something horrific happen. You know, we kind of say put someone in timeout for a variable amount of time and then we immediately start talking about well when are they coming back how are they coming back you know who are they coming back for that kind of thing um so many examples of this you could pull out of so many sports that have happened in the last you know three four five five years right um ultimately i i can't imagine i can't imagine making this decision on any level uh on a just a morals and ethical level as and even on a football level like you're getting a player who sure maybe they're in maybe they've been keeping training and things like that but you're getting a player who's been out of the game for so long you're getting the media circus you're getting the storylines the headlines you're, you're, you're bringing that in the locker room right you're bringing that that in there as well and so with reputation as well like again like this is not this is a guy that you uh, is going to be in your clubhouse, right? That is going to be in that room, right? And that is going to be with the rest of your your team. And like, it's 
it doesn't just go away. It doesn't magically, you know, we can talk about like, oh, well, they're just going to go to work and do their jobs. And like, I don't know. It just seems there, there's no level to me to which this, this, this move makes sense. But you eventually have a sports team that is like, hey, we are going to take a shot. We'll roll the dice here, see what happens, right? I don't know how big the upside is at this point with him after the, after an incident like this. Maybe he comes back to that form we knew him as. Maybe he doesn't, but I, I just think ultimately I I don't understand how this how you get to a point in an organization where you decide to invite every all of the baggage that comes with, again, a player who has not been playing and has the legal record that he does, even though the charges were dropped. Yeah, I mean, I think the justification will always find a way out. And I think the people involved in this and the higher-ups have said, you know, he's he's innocent by law, he's innocent by whatever the case, you know, that's their justification. And yeah. even uh, even now, he's now a player that will be training and playing with Getafe. Um, and we'll see how it plays on the long run if he ever makes a return to Manchester United, if he even plays English football again. All that obviously will be determined. He's still a young kid. Um, yeah, it will be interesting to see. But some other transfer news. Galatasaray took a chance on two Tottenham players who were on the outs in Davinson Sanchez and Tange Undombele. Um, Davinson, Davinson on a permanent and Undombele on a loan. Good to get them off Tottenham's books. Jao Cancelo moving laterally once again from big club to big club, leaving Man City on loan once again to Barcelona, even taking a little bit of a pay cut so that he could be registered as a Barcelona player. And an interesting loan, someone leaving Barcelona... And going to Brighton, Brandon, this is an interesting move. Thoughts on Ansu Fati going to Brighton? If he wants to develop, um, you know, he's he's now out of the Barcelona Academy, which is what's called La Masia, right? The best in the world, supposedly. Um, he's going to a club that is one of the best-run clubs in the world, arguably the best, honestly, at this point. The level that they're, they're playing at and, and competing at uh, year in, year out now, it's, it's insane. I think it's a great move for both teams. I mean, for both parties, Fatih and, and Brighton. Um, and Deserby's going to love him. He's so good. He's so dynamic. He, he was Barcelona's next big kid, right? Like the next, next big star coming out of their academy. So um, I'm excited to watch him in the Premier League. That's all I'll say. Yeah, Kyle, you've, you kind of were saying a little bit of praises for Brighton before the episode. Tell the people what you are saying about them earlier. Yeah, I just I think if, if anybody came to me at this point and said – Kyle, which club should I support in the Premier League? And they didn't want to follow, you know, one of the one of the big names. I would a thousand percent say Brighton. I think the style of football they're playing right now is fun. It's exciting. You get to see goals and scoring. Um, we'll talk more about James Madison later, but that out of this world. Um, and the way they just develop talent. If they can continue to find young talent. D- push it up through their system, develop it and sell it. Like that's a winning formula, right? That's a way that you can continually build on success. And so I could, as, as long as they keep hitting on these, these, these players, these, these younger players that are, that they're developing, like they have a very bright future ahead. Yeah. And it's interesting to see Fatsy go from Barcelona to Brighton. I think it'll be a good move. It's a straight loan. It's just a year long. So there's no guarantees of him being bought or anything like that. I think it's just good for his progression, probably good for um, some of that, just the mentality of getting to play a different league, I think it'll be beneficial for him and Barcelona in the long run. Well, Romelu Lukaku going from Chelsea to Roma on loan, still one of the worst transfers in history. Some people think his move from Inter to Chelsea, he'll be joining Jose Mourinho in Italy once again. Uh, Jao Felix moving from Atletico to Barca on, again, another straight loan. Eric Garcia leaving Barcelona to Girona on loan. And then Sergio Ramos, a free agent, signing with Sevilla, back to his old club, getting the warm welcome and embrace of tens of thousands of fans, moving him to tears as he enters the twilight of his career. This might be the last season he plays at a high level like this. I'm sure he'll be soaking it in in front of his home fans. And Leonardo Bonucci, the Juve player, the Italian international, moving from Juventus to Union Berlin on a free transfer. An interesting tidbit on this, Juve with a little bit of a string of events recently, some controversy. He's even potentially thinking about suing them, I think, for defamation because of the things they've had, I think, with financial fair play and different things behind the scenes where it kind of tarnished his value on the market, um, eventually leading to him going to Berlin on a free transfer. But interesting to see if that develops in anything. And then Irving Lozano, Chucky Lozano, as many people know him as, moving from Napoli to PSV, joining a couple of the other Americans that have made that move to the Dutch side, a side that I think 
has qualified for Champions League, or they lose to Rangers, Brandon? Can you remind me? They I think PSV advanced. Yes. They beat Rangers, yeah. So they'll be looking for Champions League success, potentially working their way out of the group. I don't know which one they're in off the top of my head, but we'll see what they can accomplish. Well, we had match week for the Premier League right before the international break. This is our chance to break things down as we saw it, beginning with Sheffield United and Everton. Um, the reimagined Ducore scoring again for Everton. Um, Cameron Archer's first start for Sheffield saw him score his first goal and basically his second with a shot that hit the post and deflected off of Jordan Pickford's back end. And just it's really unlucky for Everton. It feels like there's always something going on. Pickford's always giving his 100%. And yes. to miss a save like that for it to bounce back off him is just so unlucky. Um, but Dan Juma, the snake, answering back in the 55th minute. Um, Pickford did remind us why he was England's number one with a last-minute double save to survive with the point. Um, the game ended, obviously, 2-2. Everton will take all the points they can get this season, as well as Sheffield. Um, but Brandon, if you had to pick a team that's happier with the point, who would it be? Mm, I don't know. This is a tough question. I'm the one that wrote it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Sheffield will take it because any, they're not going to get the chance at many points this year. Um, both of these teams would have been looking for three, especially in this game. But we preview this game as a relegation six-pointer, and the fact that it ended in a draw I think is fair. It was back and forth. Um, it was exciting. Cameron Archer. Aston Villa um, Academy kid, by the way. Um, looking really good for Sheffield. I just don't think either of these teams really have enough um, when it comes to the rest of the season. But um, when they get into like this battle, they, they know that. like They know these two teams are going to be down at the bottom the whole season. So it was, it was a really fun game to watch. But I think Sheffield United would be probably happier with the point. Yeah, and I want to say, doesn't Everton already have an extensive list of injuries to their squad this year? Both yeah, teams do, but yeah, definitely yeah. Everton. And so I think Everton now at this point, they're going to be relying more on Dan Juma than they probably thought going into it. I think Calvert-Lewin's already out with a significant injury, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, interesting to see what happens with them. But both teams, I think, will be happy with the point there. Um, Brighton, the aforementioned Brighton, beating Newcastle 3-1. to Newcastle's skid continues now, suffering their third, ro- third loss in a row. Came in the form of a hat trick from Evan Ferguson, the young 18-year-old Irishman who had a knack for goal by scoring a poacher's goal in the 27th minute, then a beautifully placed goal outside the 18-yard box in the 65th minute, and then again finding fortune on a deflection that went in the 70th. Um, great to see a young kid building some confidence against a top club. Or are they not a top club? Are we worried right now, Kyle, about Newcastle moving forward? Or did they just lose to a very good team and miss their chances on this one? Yeah, I'm... I'm starting to get worried about Newcastle. Um, we're starting to go from slow start territory to something's fundamentally wrong here. Um, it is interesting for me to see that they didn't. They only had one change in their starting lineup, I think, because there was an injury. But I think everybody else is. It's you got to start to think. What can you do to reinvigorate this squad? What can you do to actually get yourself? some positive momentum, get yourself, see some, see some, um, some balls going to the back of the net, start to build some, some momentum going forward. Um, I, I think they will be better for sure. I don't think they'll finish. Uh, I don't think they'll finish anywhere close to where they are at the table right now, but, um, definitely something needs to change, uh, because we are starting to get, starting to get into panic button is not being hit, but we're hovering right over it. Right, well, we've 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 unlocked the the box that's over the panic button, and we're we're hovering over it. If our friend Steve was here tonight, which we wish he was, but stuff happens, he was already talking about the seat getting a little hot for Eddie Howe. Yeah, I mean, are we on board with that? I mean, I'm not. I I think continuity is important, but I yeah. Ugh. I mean, if if I was a Newcastle fan, I don't know. I don't know how I'd be feeling right now. I I I might be might be on the how out crowd. Is there any validity mm. to that comment, Brandon, being on the hot seat? No, 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 no chance. But I will say Champions League is right around the corner. And with an added competition of that magnitude, um, it might get a little hairy come December if they don't start picking up Premier League form. Now, I will say their three losses were to Manchester City in a 1-0 loss, Liverpool 2-1, which they should have won. They were at home. They up 1-0. Liverpool had a red card. And uh, Darwin Nunez, Darwin Nunez scored, <laughs> yeah, a brace with like in the last ten minutes or whatever it was. Shouldn't have happened. Um, 
but it did. So that's a little worrying. And then they go and get, I don't want to say smacked, because Newcastle had their chances against Brighton, but um, Isaac didn't put them away. They got to win their next game. They have to, or I think I think it might. People might be starting to get worried. Uh, Anthony Gordon was, you know, all the whole the talk of the summer with the under was it twenty World Cup or whatever it was with England, um, and he looked decent the first week, and now it's sort of like ah, eh, he's missing chances. Um, he's their new number ten. Yeah, I mean, there's Harvey Barnes there, but is that really the answer? People were hyping him up like crazy. I don't know, man. I, I think they're really good, um, but we will have to see. The jury's out. Yeah, no, I think so. And I agree with you, Kyle. I think continuity, I've preached this previously on the podcast many times, that continuity is the answer. I think once you start mixing the pot too often, too much, things get really jumbled up. And I don't think Newcastle are at the stature quite yet of saying, Eddie Howe, you've just done the most miraculous thing in a year without even the significant investment, I think, to what other clubs are doing quite yet, and you still got us Champions League football. You got us to a final in the Carabao Cup or FA Cup? Regardless, you got to us to a cup final. And I think that he has already fought way above his weight class. And so for now, his first season, being in Champions Cup, I think you should give him the benefit of the doubt, give him some time. I don't think there should be any reason for him to be on the hot seat unless they really got to a point, let's just say they lose five or six out of their first 10 or nine games. You know, that's in considering... And then maybe falling out of Champions League. But we'll see. As for now, I think things will be fine. But Brandon, Villa, Villa, Villa. Having a rough go at it against Liverpool. <laughs> just not on it for their game there. Um, I still can't say Zabalazai's last name yet. Um, but he scored Better in the mean. first three minutes from a great goal. And give us the breakdown on what happened next. Yeah, you know, it was Villa just weren't at it on the day. Uh, it was really unfortunate. Uh, Matty Cash gave up an unfortunate own goal. I think it was a shot from Nunez off the post and, like, deflected off of him and in. Um, I think that's right. And then Salah, of course, found his way on the score sheet to put the game away. 3 nothing. Villa created uh, a couple half chances, but that's really it. They just they just weren't were not on it. Um, I think it really could have been worse. Liverpool had a, a couple other chances. I was like, oof, surprised that didn't go in. Uh, so Villa really need to look at themselves and um, – I won't ask you about this game because we don't need to talk about it much, but it was very, very clear that Aston Villa were missing a leader on the field, and that leader is Tyrone Mings. So someone really needs to step up, um, whether it's one of the new guys in, like Paul Torres who didn't have his best game um, or a midfielder like Douglas Louise. I don't know. Some, somebody needs to step up when, when you're playing big games like this. That's already two... Two top four teams, uh, top six teams that we've lost to in really bad fashion this year. That needs to stop. So that's all I'll say. Yeah, that's, it is very unfortunate to have a big player like Tyrone out so early in your season, especially with such high expectations for the club within it. Um, getting him out early just is a big, big blow. But Liverpool's attack has been in full flow recently. Um, where would we kind of rank their forward line in the Premier League, looking at things, how they stand now? Kyle, would you think that they're – the best edit right now with, uh, was it, you have Salah, we have Nunez, and we have, what's, his, what's the third guy's Diaz, name? Diaz, you have Jota. You Diaz, have yes, Jota. You have all these players. Are they the top line in the Premier League right now, Kyle? It's definitely, it's tough. It's, it's, it's up there for sure. I think that, you know, when, I think if you're, you're looking at the best, you're definitely looking at Arsenal, Liverpool, City for sure. Um, I don't know. Is, as, 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 as as crazy as it is to say, like I think not crazy, but as 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 lame as it is to say, I think I would take Holland and two people off the street versus over any <laughs> any top line in the Premier League. Um, which I think that this Liverpool top line is incredible, um, and I think they deserve. We're they're, they're getting their flowers and they deserve them. Um, but what I, I my big takeaway from this game was actually their back line. They had two center backs that uh, had to uh, come in. Um, um, I think because of injuries, uh, Van, uh, Van Dick, and then, uh, oh gosh, there's one other guy and their back line was just so solid in this game. Like, uh, like Villa could not get anything going. So I think overall this Liverpool team scares me. I think they're they're that again, that top line on can compete with any of them at the, at the, the top of the, the premier league. And if their back depth is so much that they could be missing two center backs and still look like a brick wall, this is a scary team. 
Well, I will say or, uh, Liverpool are going to be out without Van Dyke now for, what, four games due to conduct? Um, with the red card, talking to the referee the way he did. So we'll see how they survive without him. Again, it's a big leadership that you're captain on the team. We'll see how they do without him. But Kyle, now to the main event. This is why we have you on the podcast. We're going <laughs> to recap Arsenal and Man United. Arsenal ended up dispatching Manchester United, but the game really was back and forth for a while with Rashford showing individual brilliance, taking on two defenders and placing a shot off the post and then off of Ramsdale's gloves in the 27th minute. But not even a minute later, Arsenal put together an absolute beautiful buildup that leads to Odegaard hammering the Gunners' level in the 28th minute. Just a classic Odegaard cutback pass to him. I just feel like we've seen this so many times already. Top of the box, he'll slide to the right of the goal. Just He's really done that a couple of times, I've seen. Um, the deciding goal, though, would come up from Declan Rice in the 96th minute off a of deflection. And another goal would follow as the United defense held up the white flag, with Johnny Evans looking on as Gabriel sealed the 3-1 win. Um, I will mention, though, that people might forget that there was a go-ahead goal for Manchester United that was taken back for a very close offsides call for Garnacho. Man United thought they had it. Again, inches can be the difference in the Premier League, and it was this time, and Arsenal came out with the three points in total. Um, but a big statement win for Arsenal at the end of the day, with yes. Chelsea and Newcastle losing their games over the weekend. Is this the beginning of the Liverpool City-Arsenal race? for the title. Are we buying them as legit contenders? Let's start with Brandon first, and then we'll dive into how Kyle's feeling as an Arsenal fan. I wonder. Let Kyle wait. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Arsenal's in the mix. Um, they haven't started as strongly as City, in my opinion, but it, it is Arsenal, Liverpool, and City. Um, and I think Arsenal's better than Liverpool. Um, so... They're in it. This win's big. Um, again, I, they played better than Manchester United on the day. Um, they deserved the win. And we, we talked about it. We said, this is Declan Rice's game to step up. And he's sort of a ghost the whole game, if, if I'm being honest. Didn't, I mean, held down the midfield, but like offensively didn't really do much. Like He was just there. And, of course, the 96th minute comes around, and he puts one in the back of the net from a corner. Um, that was sort of fun to see. I can't lie. Good for him. They're good, man. They're good, man. And Kyle previewed it. Maybe Declan Rice is that missing piece in the midfield. Maybe he is. So we'll see going forward. But I think this is the start of the race. Kyle, I'll let you finally answer the question. Are you guys real title contenders this season? We are. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think this is our year. I don't. I do not think this is our year. I think next year. <laughs> I think next year is our year. But um, I think this year... I think this year, like what I went into with expectations was, hey, listen, last year we looked ahead of schedule. The hard thing with a team that looks ahead of schedule is regression comes for us all, right? So I tried to temper my expectations and said, hey, the goal this year is to be playing in the freaking Champions League for the first time in years and to go far in that competition. And I can talk about that later, but that I think with, I think we're set up for a good run. Now, th thinking about the title race. When I was trying to formulate my thoughts about this, I was thinking to myself, we got 10 out of 12 points, right? First four games of the season, right? That is an incredible feat for any club, right? And if we somehow were in a hypothetical universe in which Man City all of a sudden ceased to exist, right? We would be talking about how wide open the Premier League is this year. We'd be talking about, oh my God, like Arsenal's the, uh, Arsenal and, and Tottenham are at the top. Like that North, North London has never met more. Like, like there's so many teams that can challenge, like, like one through seven is like, is like all teams that could, that can challenge at the top. We are not competing against each other. We are competing against perfection, mm -hmm. perfection all the way down the line, right? The style of football they play to the, the team, to the manager, to everything else. So you do not have to you do not have to beat like the best. You have to beat perfect. So that is the the only reason that I am sitting here like, oh man, like we could have like why are we 10, 10 points out of 12? Like is that can we really like win the league at that point? Like the reason we're sitting here doing this is because of how dominant City have been. And I I, I honestly I think that's a bit of a bummer. I think it makes I think it makes it a little bit less fun. 
honestly. Mm-hmm. But that's, I think, a completely separate discussion. Are we going to be in the in the race the whole year? Yes. Are we going to lose it in heartbreaking fashion? Yes. Am I going to convince myself by the end of the year that we can win it? Of course, guys. <laughs> of, course. of course. That's what happens. I I I shut. I put my walls up. I, I I guard my heart until the very end of the season, and all of a sudden I go, well, maybe I could hope a little bit, and then it gets stomped on, and that's that's how life goes, you know. That's how all my teams go. So um, I will say yes, we're in it. Um, this game specifically. So what I'm going to say here is, this was a crazy day for VAR, right? Not only did we have this off this offsides, which Y'all go back and watch Big Gabby when he is when he is is trying to set that line because big dude, right? Imposing center back, twinkle toes, absolute ballerina. Like gets back and standing like he's like arching his back to like be behind um the streaking Fernandez at that point as well. Like he saw he saw Saliba lay off and in a split second oriented his body so that that line would be drawn right there and the dude would be offsides. My metric for am is this a good thing or not is if I would be mad about it if it happened to me and I would have, I would a thousand percent but here's here's the thing by the letter of the law that is offsides is it crazy that we are looking at an literal almost inch to be offsides? Yes, I think it's ridiculous. But by the letter of the law, that's offsides. Here's the other thing we didn't mention. Kai Havertz got a penalty earlier in this game, and VAR said it was not a penalty. So here, that's the, that's the reason that I'm like, all right, this is not a thing where we got bailed out on a technicality. We did, we won this game, right? We had we had a break our way that got shot down they had a break their way they got shot down i know those things aren't exactly equal but that's kind of how i'm rationalizing it um and the thing that i've said about this arsenal team this year and last year is that we have absolutely no quit in us is we get down and we go up and we win games now i would love it if just once we could be winning the entire game (laughs) but hey that's not what we do we give up a goal in the first minute we give up a goal in the first minute, and then we go score three, right? But um, yeah, so that's that's just I guess kind of my my, my thoughts on the the title chase and the game as a whole. Um, and then one other one other thing I, I just wanted to say quickly is um, Kai Havertz, man. Um, <laughs> I see it. I see the player. I see the player he could be, right? I see what Arteta sees in him, and I just think he needs to see one ball goal in the goal. I think that's it. Is he gets one, and it's just going to be so, night and day. But he just right now, I just I watch I watch a person play that has no confidence, that passes, that makes passes back, that instead of taking a chance and and trying to push the ball forward, that is content to play the ball to his teammates and and sit back and and things like that, and so. Again, like I think, I think he has been better on defense than I thought he would be, and Rice has been better on offense than I thought he would be. But like, I just I need something more out of Kai. I really do, and I I just think maybe against Everton, you know, we can we can get him get him just get him a nice easy opportunity where he can put one into the back of the net and he can start feeling himself, and you know, we can stop saying that he was a waste of money. But man, it's been. It's been rough to start the, start the season. Yeah, I think no one will argue that he doesn't have the talent. I think everyone sees his potential. It's just it's putting it together all on the field. That's the yeah. hardest thing. And I think you see that in so many different players. I mean, even I can speak to it for Charleston on Tottenham. It's like, you know he's capable. Even today he came out and he said, like, now he's seeing a psychologist. It's just like something is going on mentally that's blocking him from succeeding on the field. Like he was breaking down crying in Brazil's game this week. They were beating a team four to one. He's the one that's getting pulled out early, and he's not scoring. He's emotional on the sideline because he can't do his job. So yeah, I mean, it's not easy being on such a large stage, a big platform like this, and everyone's breathing on your neck. You look at Harry Maguire, a guy who it's like these script writers, man. Whatever they're doing, the poor guy. He goes and plays the other night against Scotland, has an own goal, and he's already had it so hard. It's so tough. And just continues and continues to pile on. So 
I think Havertz will get. I think he'll break through. I think he's a really talented player. Again, he's still young. He shows his flashes of brilliance. I think this kind of free-flowing role that he plays in is unique. And so, yeah, it's not always the most free-flowing football, like, creatively maybe that they're wanting to get out of him. But I think he'll be fine in the long run. And, again, to finish off the Arsenal conversation, I think you guys have a really talented team. We've talked about it since last year when Tottenham and Arsenal won that race to the fourth spot in the Premier League. We saw what you guys were capable of. I think you just hadn't quite gotten there yet. Arteta was still building. The people like Martinelli were still figuring it out. Um, You bring in Jesus. I think you guys are a complete team now, um, truthfully. And I think it is impossible to compete against perfection because you look at what Man City did in their last game. You look at what Holling did. He had a freaking hat trick against Fulham. Yep. He makes it look so easy that all these other teams are playing perfectly. They're having to still give up two, four goals, whatever it is. City have played four games. They've scored 11 goals and they've only given up two. They already have a nine-goal differential in four games played. That's insane. So it's impossible to see, you know, anybody competing directly with them. But I think there's a chance that, yeah, you guys, Liverpool, whoever, will be competing. Um, but I think I think last year, truthfully, was your opportunity to win the title. And I think you guys fluffed it. Yeah. And that's very unfortunate the way it happened for you guys. But I'll take any chance to harass you guys for bottom of course the title. <laughs> but didn't no do it man didn't I... have the legs didn't have the legs just no gas at the end of the year you know it's a long season but no it's, it'll be interesting to see what you guys can do in the, the champions league honestly yeah um, i don't know again is that going to be your focus this season is it even going to be the league is it going to be champions league or bus kind of deal so it'll see it'll be interesting to see how you guys carry on us this season there's so much to go we still have 34 games to be played in the premier league um we'll see what happens but yeah as i mentioned man city beat full of five to one on the back of erling holland burnley losing to tottenham five to two on the back of a sun hat trick we had three hat tricks in the premier league the last time everyone went out i think that's the first time it's happened or it's the first time in like 40 years in the top flight i can't remember exactly um, and then Wolves lost to Crystal Palace 3-2. Brentford tying Bournemouth 2-2 as well. As the Premier League table stands going into that international break and coming out of it, Man City are first with 12 points, a perfect start to the season. Tottenham, Liverpool, and West Ham alongside Arsenal all have 10 points. But as it stands, it's Man City, Tottenham, Liverpool, West Ham, Arsenal rounding out the top five. On the bottom, we have Burnley, Luton, and Everton. Luton and Burnley have no points out of their three games played each, respectively. Um, anyone else that's noteworthy real quick that I might be missing from you guys on the table? I think Crystal Palace being up so yeah. high right now, um, they're surprising, especially under old man Roy. Um, they they sold Zaha, right, or didn't re-sign him, and... Um, Elise didn't make his move, did he? No, so he's still there. Yeah, I mean, I think... He signed an extension. Oh, really? He did? So, good for them. Um, they're just that team every year that surprises everybody. It's like, at this point, I think they'll never go down. That <laughs> is like, they'll make two signings a summer and stay up somehow. <laughs> it's like, good for Crystal Palace. So, I, they're in seventh right now, which is really surprising. I just saw that. Shout out to our one Eagles fan, Jack, who he probably hasn't listened, oh. but I know he's our one Crystal Palace Eagles fan. What are you going to say, Kyle? This is where I get to say something nice about Tottenham. Um, the style of football that they are playing this season is so much fun. It's so much fun to watch. And um, last uh, last year, um, they Kane, obviously, top goal scorer, 30 goals, right? Son had 10, right? Nobody else had more than five. This year, right, um, six players with a goal already, right? Um, uh, three of those... Um, already have two goals, right? There's a team that can score from anywhere, that scores in bunches, and that is fun to watch, right? You compare that with our style of high attacking press and wanting to put the ball in the back of the net, boys, Darby's going to be 5-4 this year. And <laughs> I don't know which way it's going to go, but it's going to be 5-4 one way or the other. So that's had to say something nice about Tottenham. Uh, quick thoughts here. I agree. Palace, uh, Palace is great. Their their attack has been really, really solid. Um, I have serious questions about their defense in midfield, and if they're gonna, if they're gonna stay where they are, it's gonna be all about the attack. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be dicey. They're 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 gonna have to to, to dig themselves 
dig themselves out of some uh, some some holes there as well. I had one question for y'all. Um, how do y'all talk about what's happening at Chelsea to casual fans? <laughs> like I, I can't. I don't know. I, I I honestly I don't know how to talk about Chelsea. <laughs> Um, like it's like just American fans, or yeah, it's just it's <laughs> so much money on players that are are on like that are promising that have hype and they're just not good. Like, I don't know. Man. Everyone I, has seen The Simpsons, right? Yeah, everyone knows the intro of The Simpsons. I feel like it's Homer Simpson just kind of like moseying <laughs> his way through like nuclear disaster to like hitting people with his car. Like everything is just. It just feels like a mess, but there's still somehow like people like maybe they can still be successful. Like he'll still get the job done, Homer. Right. But it's just like, how are they going to have it happen? You just don't know. But yeah, to start their season the way they have, there's so many question marks still. Pochettino, obviously we think he's a great coach, but these players, you have people like Mudrik who they spend so much money on all these players to eight year contracts to have four points out of four games played against the opponents they've come up against has just been abysmal. And I, I can't describe it to anyone except just a jumbled mess. And it just feels like a whole bunch of laundry that they put in one pile and they don't know how to sort it out. Yeah. I, I don't even know. I don't think I would even, I would just say, Hey man, watch a podcast, watch something else. (laughs) I don't even know. It's like, it's so much has happened over the last year. It's, it's hard to even remember all of it. I mean, it's over a billion dollars spent or something like that. Right. Like it's it's absolutely, yeah, it's insane what they've spent. Players coming in and out changes in ownership. Like I, it's, it's hard for even me to keep up with. So how do I even explain it to someone that doesn't know, understand like contract lengths? I mean, they're signing everybody to five plus year deals, like amortization. Do I need to explain that to people? Like I, I, I can't get into all of that, but it's a mess at Chelsea and I hope it continues to be a mess. Yeah, hey, I love it's, it. It's still fascinating to me that a year ago, I think almost the date we had that Conte Tuchel handshake. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's insane. Wow. That yeah. so much has happened. You've had Graham Pottery come in. You've had him leave. You bring in Pochettino. All this stuff has happened since Tuchel and Conte's memorable <laughs> handshake. Even between the two clubs, so much has happened. It's just, it's crazy how much has happened in such a short time and how much money they've spent in such a short time. Truly, truly is fascinating. And it's unprecedented to this point. So that's the thing. No one knows because it's never happened before. It's never happened in a scale like this. And it's just, it's pretty incredible. But let's move on. We're going to start to wrap things up sort of here on the podcast. We'll get to our last segments that we want to get to. Last one on the Premier League is previewing match week five. We had Nottingham Forest taking on Burnley. These two teams faced off in August in the Carabao Cup where Burnley did win on a 90th minute goal. Before that, they would face off in the championship. The second division in England, if you're not familiar. The last four matchups there would have been a Forest not even winning. Um, results being 1-0, 1-1, 3-1, and 1-1. Those wins going to Burnley. So Forrest haven't beaten Burnley since 2012. Um, Brandon, who do you think has the upper hand in this one, though? Um, definitely Forrest. Uh, I thought they might be in the mix for for that, what was it, uh, 18th spot this year going down. They've made some really good offseason moves. Um, they've thinned their squad out a little bit. Um I think they just have a better identity than the last year. Awanyi has been playing really, really well. So, look, I think um, I- I'm excited about this Nottingham Forest team, and I think they're way better than Burnley. Burnley was overhyped coming into the Premier League, very, very overhyped, and I- they have not looked good this season at all. No one can convince me of that. So, um, Forest easily have the upper hand. All right. I like it. I like it. West Ham hosting Manchester City. West Ham have not beaten City since 2015, where they won 2-1. Since then, City has won 12 games and drawn 3, with 5-0 being the largest margin of victory. Obviously, City are perfect coming into this one with 4 wins. West Ham is in 4th, though, with 3 wins and a draw. The game will be played at the London Stadium, Kyle. Any chance West Ham is going to take points from the perfect champions? How can you not be romantic about football, right? You have a team that loses their best player, their homegrown guy, right? The 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 heartbeat of their team and they look better. You know, again, it's it is it's stories like this that make you love the game and that make you are drawn to it and and that make you want to say, "Hey, like I want to root for that underdog." And man, do I love an underdog story. Um 
They're so good. Um, more underdog stories end like Moneyball or Friday Night Lights than we want to admit. It's fun when we get the Disney ending. I don't think we're getting a Disney ending this weekend. Uh, city by a large margin. <laughs> wow. Well, I will say West Ham, they uh, they saved my butt the other week on my, uh, my You Betcha. They covered for me. I don't think they can this week, though. I think City probably has their number. I think it'll just be overrun uh, with goals from Manchester City. I think I agree with you there, Kyle. Uh, Newcastle, they host Brentford. Brentford have yet to beat Newcastle since coming up to the Premier League. Newcastle have won three of the four with a combined score of 9-2. to two. But we talked about earlier how Newcastle have lost three in a row starting this season with a tough schedule. Well, Brentford have looked pretty decent with six points thus far. Brandon, can Brentford make it four losses in a row for Newcastle? I think there's a small percent chance the game is at St. James Park. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Newcastle put four past them. Uh, I think Newcastle could blow them out. Um, But Brentford is a good team. I I wouldn't put it past Brentford to get a point on the road. Um, Again, I'd be very, very surprised. I think Newcastle is going to win. Feels like a get-right game to me. Yeah. Definitely, definitely something to correct course on the ship. But there's a team that's also a little bit off track right now. And the news recently, Manchester United, they're hosting Brighton. Brighton have won the last three meetings with a combined score of 7-1. to one. Dating back to 2017, Man U had won six. Brighton have won five, and there have been no draws. So an interesting tidbit there. But Brighton feel like a beautiful team yet again this season, while Man United look like they're throwing it together and hardly getting by some tough losses. Ten Hag has been the news. Obviously, the Anthony story has been playing in the background, maybe in the foreground for a lot of people in their eyes. Um, thoughts on this one, lads? Um, I don't know, really. <laughs> Just, I, it could go either way. It really could, but it's at Old Trafford. You think Manchester United is going to have the edge. I don't think Manchester United has played that poorly so far. They are still putting it together. Um, and now they're dealing with another off-field thing with Anthony. Um, they just can't get away from it. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Man United holds the slight edge, but Brighton's been playing better football this year so far, so it's really a toss-up. Yeah, I think you talk about stylistic clash. First of all, what is up with the way Man U's playing this year? This this sitting deep, like like very defensive, build a wall, like exploit counterattacks, like you have the roster to play, like you have the squad to, to play so much better. Like a team like Nottingham Forest, they need to play that defensive football. Cause like they want to make, they don't have like, they're not going to compete with top to bottom that roster. But I, I just, I don't get it tactically. Um, I think this is a good conflict of styles when you have like a very free flowing attacking team that's goes through a central player. Um, mistakenly, I said, James Madison, it's Evan Ferguson. That was an, absolute goof on my part i wasn't uh, I'm gonna get, anything i'm gonna get absolutely roasted for that in the comments um but evan ferguson uh, just in an absolute an absolute wonder and and can create out of seemingly nothing um when a team has a a generational talent like that that can get something from nothing i'm ten i tend to go that way so i would say for me um, I, my money's on Brighton here. I think Man U doesn't end the skid here. I think the, they need to change. I think the, the style of football they play doesn't match up against this Brighton team. And I think, um, I think Ferguson continues his hot streak. And also, I forgot to mention it too. There's also a conflict and a little bit of a skid in the team with Jaden Sancho. He's mm, kind of yeah. being put on the bench and maybe whenever we play on the field again, we don't know what's happening between him and Ten Hag. That's yeah. another notable story you have going on with Manchester United is the freezing out of the young star, Jaden Sancho, a guy who is making more money than just about anybody, yet he is probably getting iced out there. We'll see how that one plays out over time. Well, we have reached MLS Fast Five. It's our chance to preview fast five fast games in the MLS coming up. We have Messi Mania coming to Atlanta. I wish I could be at this one, but I cannot. I will get the scoring started. I'm going to predict a 2-1 Victory for Atlanta United wow. because I think sooner or later someone's got to beat Miami. I think little Messi, Tiago Amada, if he plays big if here, if he has a chance to play in a healthy Yorgos Yakamakis, I think they can go up against Messi Mania. We'll see what they can do. I want them to win so bad. I'm tired of seeing all of this stuff going against us. 4-0, 4-1 or 4-0 is pretty embarrassing 
in the cup play. So I'm going 2-1 United on this one. I'll go 2-1 as well. I agree with you. We're definitely giving up a goal, but I think the only way we win the game, we as Atlanta United, is if we only give up one goal. <laughs> so yeah. It's going to be two or more to one. So I'll go with 2-1 as well, Cole. Um. Uh, right now, you can get uh, Yakamakis uh, first to score the game at plus five hundred. I think that's I think that's cash money. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> I think from there uh, it's going to go downhill. Three uh, one Miami. Mm. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I'm not I'm not upset. Uh, Houston Dynamo, they're fifth right now in the West, taking on number one in the West, St. Louis SC. Um, this one's in Houston, though, Brandon. Mm, I'll, I'll go with 2-1 Houston um, They've been playing alright this year um, St. Louis has to lose games at some point They're not a perfect team um, I think they will end the season at the top Of the West though It's crazy to even think that and say that um, But Houston will get a win at home Kyle? St. Louis stays at the top of the table um, they just had uh, Yao Klaus uh, come back from injury, uh, and he scored his first goal since March. Um, I think that th- without him, they were what six points clear of the next of the next uh, of the next team. This this team is rolling. I don't think I don't think uh, Houston has the juice here. I'm gonna go with a one-one draw again. I think for the same thing you're saying. I don't think um, St. Louis is a perfect team, but I do think they're really solid. I'm gonna take a one-one draw here on this one. And then we have another El Trafico. LAFC is sitting third right now. And abysmally, LA Galaxy are 13th. I think that LA Galaxy are going to wipe the table on this one. Three to one over the Galaxy. Kyle, what about you? Ah, man. LAFC feels like they're drowning right now. It just feels like it feels like they they can't get things to go their way. Um, I I don't see I don't see a team. I don't see a, a, a team, an LAFC of, of years past here, where we have by far and away uh, championship contention in this in this in this squad. Um, I think their I think their their issues and their 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 skid here continues, um, and I think the Galaxy steal one here, one zero Galaxy. Hmm. Brand, you agree? Very interesting. No chance. <laughs> LA Galaxy is garbage, hot garbage. I mean, it would be so L.A. for them to show up when the lights are brightest. Um, but I just – I think – is it Buonga? I think he's going to score two. It, I, I'll say 3 nothing LAFC. 3 nothing FC Dallas, they're ninth right now in the West. They host Seattle Sounders. I think this one's going to be a high-scoring affair. I'm going to say it's a 3-3 draw. MLS after dark kind of deal. Back in the day, we used to have that. I'm gonna say three-three draw, Brandon. Mm. <laughs> FC Dallas likes to score goals and also likes to give up goals. <laughs> Seattle Sounders are very good. Um, ooh, Cole, why am I agree with you so much today? <laughs> I will go with a two-two draw. Um, it's it, there's gonna be goals in it. It's gonna be fun. Never a good thing when all all three of the hosts agree on something. Um, <laughs> this one this one's gonna be fireworks. Um, I had a two two draw written down here uh, as well. Um, Dallas is fighting hard for that playoff spot. They're gonna come in here and they're gonna be motivated. Um, I think they're gonna I think they're gonna strike the first blow here. They're gonna come out looking looking great. But I think Seattle has has uh, the the depth to recover and uh, tie this thing up um, at the end. All right, I like it, I like it. And this is probably the premier matchup of the week, if you can say that in MLS. We have FC Cincinnati playing host to the Philadelphia Union. Um, Cincinnati has looked amazing at times this season. They're 12-1-1 at home. I have that streak continuing. I think they'll get another win here. I think it's going to be a 2-1 win over the Union. Kyle? Union, uh, just inviting... Uh, inviting um... Um, locker house turbulence by um, this Kai Wagner story. Like, what is going on? Like, this guy has been such a solid, steady player for them all year, and then they're coming out and they're announcing they're not going to re-sign him at this point in the season. Like, during a playoff chase, it just doesn't. It doesn't seem like a team that's well aligned. It doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like a team that has that that healthy kind of culture. I I can't 
I can't I can't back them here. One um, O Cincinnati, um, and I think that uh, this is Cincinnati uh, does a fun thing here where they actually surpass the amount of points that they did last year uh, uh, that they had total last year in this game. Good call. Mm. Yeah, I think FC, FC Cincinnati will win. Um, Brandon Vasquez um, hasn't really impressed me all that much this year, but I think he will come through big in this game. Um, knowing what Philadelphia can put up, um, they can be a really tough opponent. Um, Brandon Vasquez will shine through, maybe a little bit of a cost of magic too. I'll go with a 3-1 FC Cincinnati win. Very, very good. Well, that is our MLS Fast Five which means our last segment is here. You betcha. This is our chance as amateur bettors, which is not saying this is betting advice, but the chance to lock in some bets that we look forward to this weekend. Brandon's going to get us started with his. Who do you have, BPAP? We said this could be a coin toss, and I'm going to go with the home team. Manchester United is plus 115 to beat Brian at home. I am going to take that bet. Not super confident, but the fact Manchester United was in the positives is very rare when betting. I'm going to take them at home. I like it. I like it. I've got Newcastle hosting Brentford at plus 340 to take a draw on Saturday. Newcastle not having the best start to their season. I think it's a good opportunity for them to get points, but also to show that Brentford is also a solid team. A draw for me at plus 340 is what I'm taking as my lock which means our last one this week is Kyle. What do you have? Yep, and I know probably expecting me to make the homer pick here, and I am not going to. Um, this one's for this one's for you degenerates out there. Let's let's talk about player props. All right, <laughs> Abdoule Ducouré scores first against Arsenal plus nine hundred. Oh boy, we have had so many issues with early goals. He got an early one last week. Like this is something where I could see us, you know. Coming out of that big win against Man United, international break, feeling ourselves, and then doing the exact dumb stuff that we do in the past where somebody flings a pass backwards that's a little bit lazy, they capitalize on the counter and score. Um, I think that is a uh, a bet that has a chance to pay out big for anyone that wants to take it this weekend. <laughs> well, you heard it here first, everybody. Put it in the parlay. Corey <laughs> getting the early goal scoring first against Arsenal. And that is going to do it for us on the Supporters Action Podcast today. We hope you enjoyed our time together. If you made it this far, obviously, please do leave us a like. Subscribe if you have not already. And as we mentioned, get in the comments. Ask us any questions that you want about soccer, football kits. We'll answer just about anything in the YouTube comments down below. Kyle, thank you for joining us tonight. It was such a pleasure to have you on here. I know Steve would have been a great addition. We missed him. Um, but thank you for joining us for episode 79 of the Support Section Podcast. I have been Cole Carter. He has been Brandon Paisnick. And it has been Kyle Norton. Enjoy your week, everybody. Enjoy having the Premier League back. We will see you guys in the next one. Until then, peace out. See ya. Amazing. Amazing.